Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Ruel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. Since the launch of the New York Times crossword puzzle, crosswords have captivated problem solvers in New York and elsewhere with engaging word games. For an estimated 50 million people, crossword puzzles are a part of daily life, and for many, it is a lifelong passion. In today's episode, Michelle Arnault talks about her life as an acrosionado, a compulsive crossword puzzle constructor and solver, who began this career in 1977 when she sold her first puzzle to the Times for $20. A renowned expert in crossword history and strategies, Michelle is the author of several popular books about crossword puzzles, including Four-Letter Words and Other Secrets of the Crossword Insider, Crossword Puzzles for Dummies, That's for Me, and What's New, A History of the Crossword. To explain how the colorful world of crosswords has continually evolved, as well as reveal some inside tips and tricks and strategies for puzzle constructors, young and old. And Michelle will also describe how she blended her unique journey as a crossword connoisseur with her wide-flung career in publishing and nonprofit organizations around the world. So now, folks, it's time to meet Michelle Arnaud. Michelle, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Ron. It's a real pleasure. Um, for those who have followed my show for a while, Michelle was on uh, this past July on a, a very different subject, an important one, with another guest, Carrie Eljadal, uh, talking about long-term care issues and nursing homes, uh, which she still is very involved in. And we'll talk about that later in the show. But first, um, I wanted her on when I found out about her involvement in crosswords, which the more I found out about it, I'm like, wow, you are a superstar. <laughs> <laughs> but and people, um, you know, I, I was looking for something, you know, we're heading into the holiday season, looking for something a little fun, a little bit to look forward to um, as we go into this season. And so I wanted to uh, start with uh, I'm always interested in, in the journeys of my guests, and you've got a very interesting one. So tell us a little bit about um, how you got into crosswords. Sure. Well, um, first of all, I know, Ron, you did not wake up and do Wordle, Spelling Bee, and a crossword the way the rest of us have. Right. <laughs> but um, Wordle wasn't that hard today. Oh, anyway. Okay. Um, and I have my very, very best friend from high school uh, always says she does not get out of bed until she gets genius on Spelling Bee. Ooh. And I, I know quite a few people like that. Wow. So, uh my journey in crosswords goes back to my childhood. I've always, always loved to solve crosswords. And my father, who uh, grew up in Vienna, hmm. told me that his father also was a compulsive crossword person, but it skipped a generation with my father. So, And my grandfather, whom I never met, uh, used to wonder, how could you make a living on crosswords? Well, I'm here to say it's not easy, mm -hmm. but it is possible. So uh, the way that I got started in it was when I was at, uh, I was a graduate student at Columbia University. Mm -hmm. And um, my husband, my newly, now my husband of 45 years at the time, my new husband, said to me, 
you know, you're so good at puzzles. Why don't you do something with it instead of trying to get a PhD in French literature? Which Mm. was true. He was right. (laughs) Okay. So I got a piece of graph paper and a pencil. And because I grew up in New York City, I knew that you could send in a crossword to the New York Times. And I understood how it worked. And the Mm. way that it works is you ask the Times for the guidelines. They They will provide it to anybody. And to this day, this is how it works. So I got the guidelines and I created a crossword puzzle by working with a pencil and graph paper. That was in the olden days. That's how we did it. Mm. Now, of course, it's on computer. And I'm sure AI, I know AI can make one up too. Mm. But um, anyway, I made one up and I sent it in. And at the time, the editor of the crossword was called Eugene Maleska. There. Uh, There have been just a very few editors at the New York Times. Mm. This was in the 1970s, whatever, seven. And um, he bought my puzzle for $20, which now you will get $300. But again, the equipment was a lot cheaper. Right. (laughs) So he accepted my puzzle. And um, he wrote me a letter that I have somewhere where he said, I'm so excited to see a young person in this field. And there's another young man in the field, he said, called Will Shorts, who's also submitting crosswords. Mm. So that's that was my introduction to Will. Wow. Uh, so we were both graduate students at the time when we got into this uh, field. So I got my $20. I wrote a, a bunch of puzzles that year. And uh, so probably made about 100. <laughs> so that was my very, very beginning. Wow. Interesting, yeah. So we'll we'll update people on on uh, on your career along the way. But um, uh, and so in one of your books, and then I've, I've listened to you a couple of your podcasts too. You talk about the history of um, the crossword puzzles, and I had no idea. It's a fascinating history, and uh, you could talk for for an hour on it. But why don't you just give us a snapshot of, sure. of the early days and how it developed? Uh, I guess in New York City, and then went from elsewhere. So coincidentally, of course, when you look back, it all seems seamless. I was at Columbia. I I showed everyone the puzzle that I wrote in the Times. Nowadays, Will, now that Will is the editor, he has changed the system so that every puzzle has a byline. But when I was producing them, there were no bylines. So I just had to tell people, this is the puzzle I wrote, that I actually call it constructing. I construct. Right. Right. So your, your um, constructors, the, those I'm are a constructor, right? And in Britain, they call them compilers. So mm. yes, I constructed the puzzle, and so everybody in my department, which was French, said to me, "Well, don't you know this professor Eugene Sheffer? He has been writing puzzles forever, and he needs an assistant to mm-hmm. help." What? serendipity. So I went, uh, this professor, Eugene Sheffer, was uh, retired at the time. I went over to his apartment on Morningside Heights. He had a terrible illness called dystonia. It's Hmm. a bit, it's like Parkinson's, except uh, even more pronounced. So he could no longer hold a pencil. And he had started the crossword puzzle for King Features, which is the huge syndicate that produces puzzles for newspapers around the country. Right. And uh, he needed someone to help produce these puzzles. 
And that became me. I became his assistant. And the way that it worked was uh, he had six weeks of patterns of different that repeated. And he would give me the patterns and I would create, I would construct the puzzle. Um, and then he, uh, he would help with the editing of the clues. Right. So while this was going on, we developed a very close friendship. And he started telling me about the beginning of the crossword puzzle. Mm. That's how young the crossword is. He was there when the crossword started. So uh, the beginning of the crossword was in 1913 in New York City. There was a, the newspaper was called the New York World, and mm-hmm. there was an English editor, um, well, he was originally from England, who was called Arthur Wynne. And Arthur Wynne was producing a part of the newspaper that had get word games. Mm-hmm. He, had a, he had to fill a page. So he came up with an idea. He created a little grid, was diamond-shaped, with words in it and he put clues on it and he created it and he called it word cross. This was something he made up in, in 1913 for mm. just exactly, uh, well, over a hundred years ago, but uh, right. anyway, so he, uh, it was at this time for Christmas and um, he just thought it would be a one-off. But what happened was of course, New Yorkers loved it and they wanted to see more. So he created a few more, but then uh, he want, he was too important to waste his time on this. So he <laughs> asked the readers, this is how it all started. He said, if you love this puzzle so much, you send them in, you, mm. you create them. And so that's what happened. So people would send in these fanciful designs. They were not the squares that we see now. They were arrow shaped and diamond shaped and all sorts. So it was very fanciful. And um, he did that for 10 years. It was only in the New York world. Mm. So that was how the, and by accident, the words word cross were transposed into crossword. No one knows how that happened. Mm. So that was the beginning of this crazy hobby that I, as a native New Yorker, have uh, am addicted to i have to admit <laughs> right right so a little bit more you said you began to tell a little bit about how they're done today but i think the, um i think that's a, uh you know something that people didn't realize so that 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 um people sent them in and that people like will shorts the editor of the times and and other places uh, other editors right um, edit them but people exactly. what is you know like what are they what are they editing so what you do you you write in, you get the guidelines. Uh, it has to be um, the, only one sixth of the squares can be black. It, it's got to be symmetrical in some way. Um, a typical everyday puzzle is 15 squares by 15 squares. And then on the weekend, on Sundays, it's larger, but no bigger than 23 by 23. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's very, it's very. Uh, the parameters cannot move, and then uh, you you have a theme. Usually, mm-hmm. what is a theme? It's very loose. It's usually just three or four longer entries, and then the rest of the puzzle has something that we constructors call fill. 
fill are just the words that repeat, repeating words. And that's that was what my book, Four Letter Words, is all about those repeater words that any puzzle person knows by heart because you've seen them at least every week. Hmm. So uh, it's a special vocabulary that puzzle people acquire. It's a language. Mm-hmm. So, um, yes, you sent, you write your puzzle, you send it in, and Will and his assistants, he has a staff, will review it. And usually he will edit at least half of the clues. He changed mm-hmm. them. So it will never appear as you sent it in. But, um, yeah, it's, of course, now you get a byline, which is very cool. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, and Will, so Will... Well, I, I'll tell you more about the New York Times, but he has been the editor now for over 30 years, mm. which is, and he has no intention of ever retiring. And he right. doesn't. Yeah. But when he's not doing puzzles, he plays ping pong. He loves. <laughs> he's he has two addictions. Right. Yeah, and I understand he's a quite good at it and quite competitive at it too. He is. He <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. So, the, so that's the general idea. Anyone can write a puzzle. But mm-hmm. getting it accepted is a whole other thing, right? Well, let me just ask you. So, how, how do you start? I say, I, I say to oh, Michelle, all right, all right create yeah. a puzzle. How how do you start? Well, you do have to. Uh, the idea is to have a theme, right. you know, whatever. So, I guess like the first puzzle, I I'm not looking at it, but it was like something to do with fruit. So it's like apple of my eye, uh-huh. you know, uh, slip on a banana peel, you know, that sort of thing. You come up. And it's got to fit in the uh, box somehow or other. And then, um, yeah, you think three three or four of these ideas. It's, it's very, A theme is a very loose thing. Mm-hmm. And actually, you don't even need a theme. If you have something interesting, like some people uh, at, um, specialize in puzzles that have hardly any black squares. They're mm-hmm. just so amazing in uh, fitting words together. Wow. And that's a whole other skill. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No. Do, and, and do you start? Is there some uh, a strategy to putting together the puzzle? I mean, like like a like you know jigsaw puzzles. Like I work on the corners first. You get those. I mean, there, is there anything that you work on first? And yeah. Then and then you work it? on the corners first, the theme, then the corners. But okay. um, also, I like to tell people. I mean, how do you make the design? That's a whole, that's another thing. But nowadays we have computer programs and you can pick a design. I call that like the instant cake mix, you know, mm. you, it's easier when you have the design in front of you versus having to make it up. Right. So is that the design meaning the combination of, of white and black squares? Is that Right. So no more than one, six black squares and where they fall. So, yeah, if you already have the grid in front of you, it's easier to make up the rest of the puzzle. Right. Yeah. I mean, Start. if you consider it easy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you working on any puzzles now? No, I'm not. Uh, I'm not making up any puzzles. But, uh, I, I mean, I do for special occasions like birthdays. Okay. Okay. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, now what I do is I help people. Uh, well, I've been teaching courses on how to be better at solving, which uh, now is what people are really into. Everyone is worried about their marbles, and <laughs> and because there are lots of different types of puzzles, so um, everybody needs someone that they can ask. How do you do a double cross stick? How do you do a diagram list to solve it? Right. So, yeah, as you said, there are millions of people solving. There's only maybe 100 people 
creating. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There's hardly any people. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Okay. Um, and, um, uh, so when, when you're creating them or solving them, I mean, so mm-hmm. what do you get out of it? I, certainly, you know, that I work in, and in, in terms of what I call successful aging, that's what this podcast is about. So, right. um, you know, part of that is as you get older, one of the things is, you know, cognitive, you know, engagement. So crossword puzzles are part of that, right? Definitely. I mean, it's this whole vocabulary of crosswords, but even beyond it, I find that now it's almost like an icebreaker at any get together. I mean, you're the exception, to be honest. Most people are playing Wordle or Spelling Bee every day. Mm. And at at any social event I go to, the minute I mention any of those things, I I instantly make a friend. Mm. So yeah, it's become much more social. It used to be more... um, well, we're more, we're competitively, you know, solving, right. but uh, there is now the element of of talking about uh, all these puzzles that Will has promoted. Uh-huh. Yeah. So he's created monsters here. No, it's really good for your mind, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think people, t- you know, they don't, they talk about this is one of the ways to keep your mind stimulated and, and. Uh, actually, the more difficult, the better, right? I mean, the more challenging. That's what people talk about. You can you can do you know s- simple challenges, but but if you the more challenging you make the puzzle, the better it is in terms of your cognitive development. So, um, so listen, we're gonna we're gonna continue along this, and, and I'm gonna ask you about some of your strategies and how you help people solve things. But we're gonna take a short break. Uh, but don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be uh, coming right back. But uh, much more to talk about with crossword puzzle master Michelle Arnault. So don't go anywhere. Follow Voice America at facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. The boroughs are New York City. The burbs are everywhere else. Real estate is the ultimate game of risk and reward. It's the biggest investment most people ever make. Fortunes are made over a lifetime and lost in a day. And we're not playing with Monopoly money. How do you stay ahead? Who's buying? Who's selling? And why? What do they know? We want the truth. You need an edge. Burrows and Burbs is your secret weapon to giving you the insider knowledge and strategies you need to succeed in the high-stakes world of real estate. From Palm Beach to Palm Springs, Manhattan to Malibu, We press the experts to expose the pain, find the deals, and occasionally predict the future. That's Burrows and Burbs, 3 o'clock Eastern, noon Pacific, because everyone can make money in real estate. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with crossword puzzle master Michelle Arnaud, the author of several great books, including Four Letter Words and Other Secrets of the Cross of a Crossword Insider, What's New, spelled G-N-U, A History of the Crossword, and for people like me, Crossword Puzzles for Dummies. Um, so before the break, we were talking a little about the history of, of crosswords, and then we were talking about some of the, the strategies for constructing them. I wanted to back into a little bit, because Michelle has done a lot of work about the history of crosswords, and and, and um, so I wanted to ask her to you know talk a little bit more. We talked about the times, but and, and about the, the the initial creation in 1913, but talk a little bit more about then the evolution from there and to where we are today. Yeah, I was mentioning earlier that the New York world started the or invented, really created the crossword. It was Arthur Wynne, and he was the only one who was running this crossword from uh, 1913 to 1923. Mm -hmm. And as the story goes, it was in 1923 that uh, two young men who had just graduated from Columbia University um, decided to put together a book of these crosswords. And this was because one of them, as the story goes, had an aunt who said, my daughter is addicted to these puzzles. Where can Mm. I find a book of such a book? And there wasn't any such thing. So these two young guys who had just graduated thought, okay, we'll put the book together. So they got in touch with, um, the New York world at the, by then Arthur Wynne had retired from that job and he'd passed it along to a young lady from Smith who was called Margaret Petherbridge. And when she had inherited the job, the puzzles had been riddled with mistakes because of course for typesetters at the time, they had to move all these little fiddly numbers and clues and things would be missing. But when she took over the job, she later told me she swore on a stack of dictionaries that she would make it perfect. It would not have these problems. And she, apparently she did the job. Hmm. So she uh, recruited two other guys uh, from the newspaper. They each got $25. That was money in 1923. Right. They put together a book of puzzles. And the two young men who published it were kind of hesitant about doing this because there was never such a book. And so they didn't want to put their real name as the publisher. So they used the exchange of their telephone number, which was Plaza, the Plaza Publishing Company. Hmm. And they put the book out. They got some promotion from some famous columnist of the time, FPA, FP Adams, And apparently the book sold out overnight. And these Mm. two young men, Simon and Schuster, were on their way to starting a company that is now a billion dollar company. So Simon and Schuster, is that was the first book that they ever published, this book of crosswords. And we're reaching the 100th anniversary of that book now in 2024. Hmm. So the book is being reissued by Skyhorse Publishing with a forward by me. And it, it's uh, it'll be available. I, I think it's available on Amazon right now. 
No. Wow. That's great. That's great. Well, that's a fascinating story. <laughs> and uh, I'm sure that most people like me would have no idea that, that Crossroads, you know, some of the contemporary evolution has come from Simon and Schuster. And that was Carly Simon's father. Ah, okay. Yeah, Richard Simon. Interesting. So, yeah, they owe they owe everything to Crosswords, <laughs> and that series is continuing to this day. Wow. So, yeah, if anyone uh, who likes to buy books of Crosswords knows that. Right. And and is your account of this history that it is in that book? Uh, What's new? Is that right? Yes. Yes. So all this uh, I learned when I was the assistant to Eugene Sheffer. I see. Okay. All right. Um, so um, let's just uh, pivot a little bit here to uh, um, uh, how you work uh, and, and some of your tips, like the four-letter words and, and other ways that you uh, uh, you know give advice to people for solving strategies. So right. uh, I've seen you know some of your tips and tricks. What what are some of your tips for solve, solving puzzles? Right. Well, when uh, uh, so when you're solving a crossword. People who take my course, which I used to teach at the new school, um, I I advise people. It's not like a book. You don't have to start from one across. You don't have to do that. What you should do is scan the clues and look for a missing word. So if you see something like a blank of two cities, mm-hmm. tail, that is a four-letter word, T-A-L-E, or uh, comma blank. Usted, esta. Right. Sometimes we have other languages. Right. Uh, or um, I'm looking. Or uh, well, obviously there are a lot of names that are four-letter words too, like uh, this Ike Turner's wife, ex-wife, Tina. So look for the blanks. Usually those are the easiest okay. one. Right away you instantly have something that you can work with. You know, like you're saying with a jigsaw puzzle, you need something that fits together. So, and then you build out from that. So after you find the missing word, I recommend looking for the proper names. Like I said, Tina Turner, although there are a lot of new names, even I'm not familiar with now, you've got to keep up. Mm-hmm. Whenever there's uh, a new, well, like I know nothing about baseball, but I know that there's a family, A-L-O-U. They are all over baseball because they're in crosswords. Hmm. So um, that's how constructors, that's how we read the newspaper. We're looking for those four-letter names that, uh-huh. especially with a lot of vowels, they're they're gold to a constructor. Right. So those are the first two things that I recommend. Um, and then after that, uh, there are... Uh, always look for, well, you have to know a couple of what, of the repeaters. So um, there are some bones that you never get, like there's U-L-N-A, mm-hmm. so, right. and then there are a lot of birds that we see time and time again, mm. like emu, loon, moa, and tern is very popular, T-E-R-N. Right. You just have to know a few of those and um, you'll be on your way. The other thing about the crossword is Monday, you know, is the easiest. Okay. And Saturday is the hardest. Huh. Sunday is just the biggest. Oh, but okay. um, 
Yeah, and I so I'm always solving on my phone. Okay. And the phone keeps track of my times. Oh. Yeah, I try to do them as quickly as possible. <laughs> and and most people who are really good at puzzles don't even want to do the Monday, okay? Secret. But I try to do it as quickly as I can write. So it's it's a good exercise, I think. Yeah. I just don't like to skip a day. What can I say? It's like yeah. writing. Well, not a not a bad addiction, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So when when uh when when people start them, um uh is there something that uh that they they look to to aside from those uh those mm-hmm. those strategies um if you get stuck what happens then well now people always ask me too can i look things up mm. okay so now let's go back to the history a little bit so margaret petherbridge who put together the first book she later married and became margaret farrer so Margaret Petherbridge, not only did she help uh, Simon & Schuster get started, but then she married John Farrer, and they started Farrer Strauss, another big publishing house. Wow. But anyway, I met Margaret um, in in the end of her life in the 80s, and, uh, she, and she said, there's no such thing as cheating. Mm. At the time, of course, there were no computers, but she said, you can look things up, and then you learn, and then you remember uh, and it, it'll, next time you're doing the puzzle, it'll come to you. So, yeah, there's no such thing as cheating. If you have to look things up, now we have Google. So right. there's really, it's easy, especially, as I'm saying, there are names of people that you would not know. So if you have to look it up the first time, you'll remember it the second time. Right. right. So when do you get into competitive solving, though? Uh, obviously, I guess when you get into these tournaments, um, so the evaluation, uh, you know, the or the scoring of people is what is is accuracy and time. Is that how they do it? Yes. So, um, so once a year, there's a big. Well, there are small competitions too, but there's the big one that will started, uh, you know, almost forty years ago. Maybe it is. Anyway. Um, it's called the American Crossword Puzzle Tournament. Right. And that was the one that was captured as a uh, as a documentary called Wordplay. Mm-hmm. So I am a judge at that uh, event. What is a judge? I mean, I don't really judge. I just score. So mm. it's like being a proctor. Uh, <laughs> we, so um, a- anyone can come in and uh, observe. It's free to observe. And it's now being held in Stamford, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. I think it's going to be on April 1st. Okay. Anyway, it's usually the end of March or April. Um, so Will made a deal with the Marriott there okay. and he fills the house. We had like 700 people. Uh, during COVID, it, of course, we suspended and it was only online. But uh, people of all ages come from everywhere to do this uh, contest. It's two days. So you have five puzzles on day one. It's kind of like the SATs, if you remember how much fun that was. (laughs) And um, so every puzzle has a time limit. So it starts out with an easy puzzle. Let's say it's 15 minutes is all you have. Everybody's sitting in the banquet hall. And um, maybe there are only 40 of us scoring all these hundreds of papers. Um, And so as people solve quickly they hold the paper up and then uh their times are stamped on the paper 
they're brought to uh, us uh, who who will be correcting them. And now everything's computerized. So if we have special markers, if there's a mistake, we color in the mistake box. Mm-hmm. And everything is scanned and it's all calibrated. Uh, so out of those hundreds of people, somebody will win maybe $5,000, the top, the fastest and the most correct solver. Mm. But people win other prizes for being the oldest and the youngest and coming from the farthest. And uh, it's very friendly, actually, believe it or not. No. Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. It's very collegial. I'm sure people are you know, sort of excited for each other, you know. I mean, so who are, how would you say, uh, who is the oldest and the youngest? What yeah, is the we range? had, to, yeah. The range is literally teenage to the 90s. Wow. Well, people in their 90s. So, uh, yeah, it's an amazing range. And um, and people from as far away as from Europe, from Hawaii. Wow. Because it's just a once a year right. <laughs> reason right. to get together. And yeah. so the top constructors, people who uh, who everybody's, their names are recognizable to this cadre of uh, solvers. And um, so typically... In, on Saturday, there's one very, very difficult puzzle. So after they've, everyone feels very smart. They've been solving <laughs> all the puzzles, and then they get this stumper that is really awful. And it's hard for us uh, who are correcting them too, because we have to color in all the boxes that are wrong. Wow. I know it's funny. So yeah, yeah it's a it's just a very funny day. Yeah, and how do they pick that the hard puzzle that? I mean, well, uh, Will he um, he finds these constructors and he gives them the assignment. He says, "You're going to make up the hardest puzzle today." Okay. Or okay. what? Yeah. So yes, these people are hand selected. Right. And then on the final day, uh, the top three solvers, the fastest and most accurate. Usually, it turns out to be men mm. to stand up in front of everybody wearing headphones and solve on a whiteboard wow yeah no pressure (laughs) yeah they're really good at it and and sometimes you know one of the guys makes one little mistake but he doesn't catch it Uh and but everyone can see Uh yes it's very uh by then that's the thing that everybody's waiting for are these three top people wow wow it is Fun, but uh, yeah, you can come. You don't. You can just observe. You don't have to uh, participate. Right. Interesting. Interesting. I guess you could sort of like watching chess, chess tournaments. Sort of. Yeah. yeah. And everybody. I mean, I guess we don't take bets, but you know who's going to be in the top. Okay. More or less. There's never. We haven't had an upset in a while. Okay. But uh, yeah, we who are correcting the papers are so uh, obsessed with doing that. We don't, it's, um, we look forward to the evening when we can relax. Right. Stop right. looking at the squares. Yeah. Um, and I guess, are there some, you know, celebrity or famous, you know, solvers or constructors or either constructors or solvers that you know? Yeah. I mean, like in uh, there, people in music have always been very, good at both solving and uh, creating. Hmm. Stephen Sondheim was a very famous constructor and loved puzzles, um, but he loved the British style puzzle. So 
And then another uh, musical talent who loves puzzles and creates them is Richard Maltby Jr., another lyricist. Hmm. So anyway, um, what happened when after the puzzle became uh, global in 1923, when it went across the ocean, it developed a different accent, a British accent. And oh. so the way that the Brits do their puzzles is completely different than the way we do it here. How so? So American puzzles are more or less straightforward synonym matching or dictionary or names, whereas the Brits have a system of riddles. So their clues are uh, take a different, take an extra step of solving. You have to understand what sort of a riddle it is. So either it it could be an anagram, which is like a jumble, and so the letters within the clue. Uh, the letters that are the answer letters are in the clue, but you have to understand how to decipher that. Um, yeah, they have a very diff- different and much more, well, I don't know if it's, ch- it's challenging to us Americans, mm-hmm. but it just takes an extra step. And I always find, I think after I also lived in England, I think English people also are, they're, they're harder to get to know than Americans. We're more transparent, and it's the same thing with our puzzles, is what I think. Right. So it's a really interesting cultural uh, phenomenon. Yeah, distinction. Interesting. Okay, so listen, um, this is great, but we have to take another short break. Uh, but when we come back, we'll be talking much more with Crossword Puzzle Master, Michelle Arnault. So don't go anywhere, folks. We have one more segment to go. We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. It's time to unlock some of the best-kept secrets in health, wealth, and happiness. Are you ready to live your life to the fullest and hear insider tips from today's experts? Then tune in to The Forbes Factor with celebrity TV host, keynote speaker, and inspirational icon, Forbes Riley. She's a best-selling author and TV fitness expert, and you know her from QVC and HSN. Now, she brings her expert advice and guests to the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for the Forbes Factor. We guarantee it will be the best hour of your week. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com.
You are listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking today with Michelle Arnaud, the crossword puzzle master. And uh, before the break, we were talking about the evolving popularity of crosswords, including the uh, uh, American Crossword Puzzle Tournament, which she acts as, uh, I guess, a proctor, right? You know, sort of <laughs> uh, scoring and, and uh, assisting in the scoring of the event. Uh, and I just want to talk a little bit now about sort of, again, continuing evolution of puzzles, you know, like crosswords and there, there are other puzzle, you know, puzzles like cross sticks and minis and wordles. So talk a little bit about this, these, uh, all, all these different offshoots. Sure. Uh, well, just again, going back to Margaret Farrer, who is mm. the mother of crosswords. So when she put together the very first book of crosswords, which is, uh, marking its hundredth birthday next year. Um, they, she and her co-editors were test solving. That's something mm -hmm. that, um, that editors do to make sure that the puzzle makes sense and that all the clues match the answers. Anyway, while they were doing the test solving, she realized that one of the grids was missing. Mm. So all she had was the clues. So she put together the, she took a napkin and she figured out how the grid would look. And then she thought, wait a minute, I think I just invented another puzzle. Hmm. That is what we now call the diagram list. So uh, there are a lot of people who graduate to that level. <laughs> that, hmm. that is a special type of solver. That is really someone who loves um, to create the, the grid because that's a big job. You don't hmm. know exactly where number where everything falls. But anyway, um, that was how she start how the diagram was started. Okay. And um, well, I'm going to jump up to Sudoku. Okay. So Sudoku uh, is only a, is a young puzzle. It was only born in the 21st century. Hmm. So um, Sudoku is something that actually did start in the U.S. probably in the 1980s. It was called number placement. Mm -hmm. It appeared in magazines, but um, what happened was that a Japanese man called Maki Kaji found that puzzle, and he had a puzzle company called Nikoli in Tokyo, mm -hmm. and uh, he took this puzzle back and he said to his staff, can't we do something with this number thing? Hmm. And, uh, they agreed that they could, but they couldn't call it number placement. So they named it this Japanese word, sudoku, which means single number in a box. Hmm. And so he ran it in his magazines. And what happened was that in uh, the year 2000, a judge from Australia, as the story goes, was in Japan, saw this number puzzle, took it with him on the airplane, and some, and he invented a computer program that creates Sudoku. Wow. And then I think it was like 2005, he, uh, he approached Rupert Murdoch and he said, I will give this to you for one day to put into the Sunday Times of London and let's see what happens. Mm. And that is how Sudoku was born. Wow. 
and Maki Kaji had not uh, copyrighted anything. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and that's the same thing with the crossword. Arthur Wynn, he had no copyright either. Mm. So is there a copyright now on Sudoku or no? No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Interesting. So, Maki Kaji sadly passed away last year, but mm-hmm. I lived in Japan and I met uh, all the people who put together the Sudoku uh, books. Right, and right. Uh, they're super popular. Yeah, and so there are different type of solving. Yeah, and there are other so it's there are other forms that have developed like the minis, right? The, I, yes, that I mean everything's mini, mini Oreos, you know. So. Uh, huh. <laughs> it's a time thing too. Yeah. So there's a mini crossword that one of Will's uh, assistants puts together. And um, yeah, I have a sister whose record is 49 seconds for solving. And she said she just can't write any faster than that. Wow. So <laughs> that's another, I mean, it's just a way. So Norman Mailer said that the crossword is a way that he combed his brain in the morning. Uh huh. That's how I feel too. Your brain needs a little, uh, you know, uh, uh, grooming. Right, right. So uh, the mini is a very fast way of doing it. Yeah. How big is the mini? It's like seven squares by seven. It's very tiny. Oh, okay. It is um, tiny. Okay. Yeah. It is mini. Okay. Like five words. Yeah. And basically, you know them. So. Right. Okay. Grooming. And I like wordle, that. Yeah. yeah. Wordle is. Um, uh, well, remember Hangman? Did you ever play Hangman? Yep. Mm-hmm. So Hangman, you have to guess the letters in the box. Right. And it's the same thing with Wordle, except uh, you only have, a, I can't, I think it's six. Yeah, you have six options, tries. So um, I have a, another sister. We compete every day to see how many steps we try to solve within three or four. Right. Okay. So you need a first word to, and usually a word that has a lot of vowels, like I use alone or a tone or arise. Those are good words for the first one. And then you'll have enough uh, correct letters to figure out the next, what the word is. Right. How did the, did Wordle come as direct spinoff from crosswords? Wordle just was invented, I think this year. No, it was actually like a valentine that this man called Wardle made for his girlfriend. <laughs> and she thought it was so clever, she urged him to sell it to the Times. Wow. He just did it privately for her. Wow. That's so, something. yeah. So, so now does it, but the Times, does Times have a copyright in world now? Or do they? I think they do. They yeah. bought, yeah, but he made out this uh, invent, the constructor of that. Yeah. And Spelling Bee is a different, uh, game that's where you have um it's is it octagonal uh and you have all these letters around a central letter and you have to make up words just using those letters i see and then there's one word that uses all the letters it's called a pangram right okay so yeah okay and now full disclosure i was a spelling bee champion in my in elementary school Oh, I suspected so. <laughs> wow. Um, so listen, before we close out, and I, I do want to, you know, talk about the books that toward the end and how people can get them and how they can find you and so forth. But but you've also blended, a, you know, an interesting life with um, a totally 
um, totally different, but it, but it is a different career. You did a lot, did a lot of work in publishing and went from from position to position and working nonprofits. So just uh, remind me uh, to tell you, tell us our readers about our listeners about this. Sure. I mean, just uh, so when I'm not doing puzzles, I am running a group called the Gray Panthers NYC. Okay. So we are advocates for older adults with an intergenerational element. Uh, The organization was started in 1970 by Maggie Kuhn uh, in Philadelphia. She was being uh, forced to retire at age 65 and felt that she still had a lot to offer. So she challenged the the retirement law of the time. And she was a big activist for older adults. And uh, as baby, baby boomers age, I feel that we need to advocate for ourselves as well. Mm-hmm. So um, two years ago, I got very involved with the Grey Panthers, and uh, and now I'm the president. Mm-hmm. So um, we are currently on a campaign to help with transforming long-term care, especially after the nursing home debacle of the pandemic. And mm-hmm. so we work with elected officials and other advocates. And just really trying to uh, to educate the public on a topic that none of us really likes to talk about end of life. But uh, yeah, so when I so I feel you have to keep your brain sharp in order to um, to advocate for ourselves. Yeah, it's and it's important advocating. Um, that's how we sort of met because I, I've always been a proponent of forty five forward being successful all the way through life. But a lot of that is. Is successfully addressing you know challenges and uh, uh, and I, I feel that we don't have any plan for it you know we, we don't have any strategies uh, um, we got them for puzzles but this is a big puzzle you know it's so um, so I, I to me it's a challenging puzzle and uh, perhaps I'll I'll get into the the easier challenging puzzles of you know every day um but i think this is an important endeavor and i'm glad you're doing it um it's something that's going to take a lot of work i know you're working with a coalition of people um and you've had a lot of experience in other capacities right in in the publishing field i think which you know sort of helps your perspective you have you've had a lot of different perspectives with a variety of nonprofits, right yeah but um you and i are on the governor's governor hokel's committee um planning for yeah, older, mas- yeah the master yeah, plan on aging right so i think everybody should know that there is a master plan on aging and everybody is welcome to participate it's really not just uh, for advocates and so there are a lot of town halls that are being held throughout the state and um i know you're involved in a lot of that yeah yeah and my capacity with ARP, I'm involved in one of the working groups and I sit in on the subcommittee meetings. And it's it's an important endeavor. I mean, it's, a, you know, you do, you have to take every day, you know, like a new puzzle, but there's a, but there is, um, you know, a, a bigger strategy you need to work on. And we don't really have one. It's a piecemeal approach. And um, Michelle and I have talked about, you know, uh, one of the uh, things that's important to do is to really look at um, every um initiative that you can find across the world there's lots of stuff happening but you need to put them together and it involves really um uh, again a sort of a puzzle of uh, 
yeah, people in the private sector, the public sector, nonprofits, um, because it really it can't be done in any one particular way. And everybody's life is different. Everybody ages differently. So you've got to have a have some sort of framework to for people to make choices about things, but also give them enough resources for whatever they need to do in their particular life. So um, I applaud you for for all your work. Uh, I know you you also worked. Uh, you're a co-chair of the organization's webinar series, Unity for Long Term Care. And um, you know, uh, so, so just give us the website, Michelle. Right. So yeah. There. Anyone, you can write to me at michelle at graypanthersnyc.org or just come to our website, graypanthersnyc.org. And yeah, we have monthly webinars. I feel that it's very important for the public to understand what was available. Uh, I think that what often happens, and it's sad, is that people come to this subject when they're in crisis and you're not going to be making uh, a decision in you know, in, in a good way at that time. So we have a lot of information on our website to help to plan for these for end of life, which is, you know, not a four letter word, but uh, something that we do have to think about. Right, right. So before we close, uh, let's just uh, once again, tell people your, your, uh, your major books and, and what's upcoming and then uh, where people can get it. Yeah, so my last book was Four Letter Words, which is the special uh, vocabulary of uh, crosswords. Everything's available on Amazon. It's available uh, for your Kindle. And then um, the new thing that's co- that will be coming out from Skyhorse is the original first book of crossword puzzles. Uh, I think it's called The Greatest Book of Crosswords and mm-hmm. my forward in it. And then there's always crossword puzzles for dummies, for those who are just beginners. Right. Right. Great. Okay. So, um, folks, uh, there's always uh, much more to talk about, Michelle. We can talk on endless subjects, uh, but uh, we'll have to leave it there for today. Um, Once again, uh, tell your friends that they missed my conversation with uh, Michelle today. They can listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com to search my show 45 Forward. You can also find it on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, or go to my website, roboresources.com, and click on the 45 Forward tab. So uh, be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, when I'll be talking with Rabbi Robert Whittem, the Senior Rabbi of Temple Emmanuel of Great Nick, about how we can achieve a happy and productive and deeply spiritual life. So until then, folks, keep moving forward, 45 Forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.